Welcome to the Bariatric Nutrition Coach Podcast, where we empower you with weight loss surgery nutrition knowledge, mindset advice, and inspiration, so you succeed in your weight and health journey. I'm your host, Jane Stoltz, and I am a bariatric dietitian who has helped over 1,300 people on their weight loss surgery journeys. I'm also a solo mum, lover of long walks while listening to podcasts, partial to a glass of wine, and the ocean is my happy place. Join me as I dive deep into bariatric nutrition and lifestyle topics and deliver them to you in bite-sized, palatable episodes every Monday. Now, let's go. Welcome, everyone, to episode 11 of the Bariatric Nutrition Coach podcast. And I'm very excited because I have a special guest with me today, psychologist Georgie Beams. And we are talking about the emotional journey after your weight loss surgery, emotional eating, and much more. Before we dive into the podcast, I just wanted to bring to your attention that Georgie will be sharing some great reflective questions that you can ask yourself about your eating and the emotional reasons why you may be eating at different points through the podcast. So if you would like to record those questions, you may want to stop this podcast now and grab a pen and paper and record those questions when they get brought up. Okay, let's go. Georgie, before we jumped on to record this podcast, and I said I'm just going to throw it straight over to her to introduce herself because she will do a much better job than me. So welcome, Georgie. Thank you, Jane. Uh, Thank you for having me on and hello, everybody. So as Jane mentioned, I'm a registered psychologist, which is six years of training. I only work in the area of eating and weight. It's a very complex area that we're going to unpack today on the podcast. And I have a further focus in the area of weight loss surgery. So I actually worked in-house at a weight loss surgery clinic. I have seen it all, pre-surgery, post-surgery. I love supporting uh, women in this space. And I'm excited to, uh, yeah, just to share some insights on, on the podcast today. Fantastic. The emotional journey is such a big one for many people after their weight loss surgery. And I've heard so many people say over the years, Georgie, the physical journey is actually easier for them than the emotional. And I think it comes as a surprise to many people when a lot of emotions and things come up after their weight loss surgery and you you can tell that often people don't know how to manage them and don't always know where to go to to get support. So I'm very excited to delve into this topic. I'd love you to lead the way because obviously it's the area of your expertise. Yeah, thank you. And, And also just to add to that, I think there's so many weight loss surgery patients that suffer in silence around this post-surgery. So they go through the honeymoon stage and then perhaps there's a, a plateau with their weight and then weight regain. And uh, and that's, so you're not alone if you're struggling with that at the moment. So I think a big part of what I do and what you do, Jane, is just normalising this as well on the journey and, and sharing, you know, tips and insights and, and education to help. So the first thing that I wanted to say about our eating, and and let's call it emotional eating, so whether that's 
um, eat, non-hungry eating, so nighttime eating, uh, it could be snacking, stress eating, etc. But the word emotional eating has the word emotion in there for a reason. And as I mentioned, eating is very complex. And uh, in the area of psychology, it's known as one of the most complex areas. And I like to think about eating as, as an onion and there's layers to it. So we just can't abstain from food as well. Uh, we need to create a new relationship with it. That's why this area um, has that complexity that goes hand in hand. So many of the clients that I work with, they say that they eat when they're happy, when they're sad and everything in between. The biggest trigger that I have found for many weight loss surgery patients is stress and boredom as the two key triggers when it comes to those emotional triggers that can take them to the food. So we need to focus on what we're eating, um, but also why we're eating. And uh, I sort of see that there's nothing in isolation here. That's why this area of dietetics and, and you doing what you do, Jane, and the area of psychology really go hand in hand. Now, we also can't ignore the emotional side of our eating um, because it's coming from our subconscious mind. So our subconscious mind is responsible for around 90% of our eating sabotage, this emotional eating. So this eating sabotage, as I mentioned, it's where we're engaging in that non-hungry eating, whatever that habit is for you, whether it's nighttime eating, grazing, emotional eating, stress eating. But I have worked with thousands of weight loss surgery patients over the years and I have found that there's always an emotional component to our pattern of eating. Now, the tricky part is it's happening subconsciously, and this means we're often not aware of it. But a big part of why we eat is so we don't have to feel. So we can use food to numb out, we can use food to escape, or even change the way that we feel into something more positive, such as a reward. So I'll pause there because I've got three areas that I want to unpack and, and delve into a little bit more. Yes, the using food to numb out is something that I find a lot of my talk about and really struggle with, particularly I work with women and most women now are very busy and it really is something that's really prevalent in my experience in that after dinner evening time. It's become a default way of relaxing and having a bit of a break after doing everything during the day, looking after their family, all the responsibilities have ended. And the way that they have, I suppose, fell into the pattern of relaxing is using food as part of that. So I think that's a really big one that a lot of people listening will resonate with. And if I can just add to that, what I have found is that we tell ourselves the narrative or the story that we're relaxing and yep. we're using food to do that. But what's actually happening in reality is we're numbing out. Mm. And that's very different to relaxing. And, and how we know the difference is because when we're numbing out, our awareness is in our head. We're wanting to disconnect. We're wanting to unplug. We don't want to think. We don't want to feel. When we're truly relaxed, our awareness is in our body. So think about if you've gone for a facial or a massage or a yoga class, your awareness, you can feel that in the body, sort of everything feels relaxed and you're not looking for food. 
So even starting to question and challenge our own narrative around why we're eating, am I really relaxing or am I numbing out? That, that can be a great question just to start to build that awareness around why we're turning to the food. Wonderful. What's next? All right, so I've got three areas that I want to unpack, and I'm going to share some reflection questions for you all to consider as well, just to dig a little bit deeper. So I believe it is important on your weight loss surgery journey to be working on this emotional part of the journey as well. So the first area where I like to start with women is exploring the origin of your eating pattern. So we're talking about a pattern over time, like this nighttime eating, for instance, isn't a one-off. For so many of you, this is probably a pre-surgery habit, and this is probably a habit that has been going on for years, if not decades. Now, to make sense of the present, of our current habit, it's important to go back to the past. And as I mentioned, we, we need to really understand why have these patterns of eating been in place for 30 or 40 plus years? And in my experience, there is always a reason why. And for most of the women that I have worked with over the years, this pattern of eating started at a young age. So for some women, it could have been a parent's uh, getting divorced when they were young, or even parents working long hours. Uh, it could be competing with four other siblings uh, at the dinner table. It could be that you were told when you were growing up that you were fat or mum took you to your first Weight Watchers meeting at the age of 10 years old. So everyone's got their own story. Everyone's got their own experience. But what I have seen time and time again is that this pattern of eating, when it first started, was a way of helping us and protecting us. So it was like a coping strategy. And again, as I mentioned, this typically happens at a young age, whether that's um, below the age of 10 or those teenage years. And this is really when we couldn't process perhaps these emotions that were happening, these big feelings, or even processing and unpacking what was happening around us. So then eating serves as a protective element. So eating soothes, eating helps us to escape, uh, eating helps us to numb out and not to feel or helps us to feel safe or feel loved. So ultimately, though, we are craving a feeling from the food. We're not craving the food itself. We tell ourselves that we love chocolate too much and this is why we need to have it at nine o'clock every night. But what we're truly craving is the feeling that the chocolate represents, whether that's safety, connection, relaxation. So a couple of questions, um, reflection questions to consider to help you unpack this is, first of all, when did my pattern of eating first start? What was going on back then when I needed a coping strategy to help me? How did it help me back then? Was it around this self-soothing? Was it around escaping to not feel or to feel loved? And what feeling am I ultimately craving from my go-to food? I love those questions. And I was just really reflecting on and listening to you with, with those reflective questions and thinking, you know, it can be a really big step 
for somebody to acknowledge these things and also get to that point where they say, this does not serve me anymore and I really need to change, change this because it can really come up after weight loss surgery that those behaviours are going to uh, derail them. One, not let them achieve the best results they can from their surgery, but also in the long run lead, lead to that weight regain. So it can be very emotional, I think, that, that pivotal point of just really acknowledging, reflecting. And I love those questions because I think that will get people, if they are struggling with this, really thinking deeper about it. And I think it can be challenging because a lot of us don't like to go back to the past, but mm. it also can be extremely healing as well. And yeah. it can really be a missing piece in this puzzle to start to look at the origins and really get to those um, I guess those deeper reasons as to why I keep eating in this way. Why do I keep subconsciously and unintentionally sabotaging my success? Yes. So the second area is identifying and exploring your current triggers. So we've looked at the past. So let's look at what's happening on a day-to-day -day basis now. So our patterns of eating, it's not as random as we think. So it is important to dig a bit deeper here. Many clients have said to me over the years, my eating, my nighttime eating or my snacking, it's, it's just a habit. It's just a bad habit. But there's a little bit more to it than that because if it was just as easy, then we could just break it tomorrow. But this habit has been going on for years, if not decades, for so many of us. And the brain is now wired to eat in this way. So I invite you to consider when do you grab the food? What is your pattern? And again, ask yourself, what am I truly craving? What is the feeling here? Is it that relaxation? Is it the me time? Uh, is it the comfort, the safety? Now, I do this uh, process with my clients where I get them to connect in with what I call their version 2.0 self, their thriving self. And so many of them say when they're really connected in with their version 2.0 self, they feel free and they feel calm and they feel confident and happy. And what's interesting is this is independent of their weight as well. And what they often crave are these feelings. This is what they're truly craving, not the food. But they have created a connection between these feelings of feeling loved or feeling free. Uh, and the food at this young age that we've already talked about. So part of what I do as a psychologist is to help them break that connection. So food can just become food. So where to start with unpacking this one are a few reflection questions. So first of all, just consider what's my pattern of eating now? So is it the nighttime eating? What are the conditions? Are the is the TV on? Am I alone? Uh, perhaps the pattern might be once you start snacking, you can't stop. So when is the first time that this happens? Where are you? Uh, what's going on for you? Are you alone? Are there people around? Also consider your weekday eating versus your weekend eating as well. Is your eating at the weekend different to during the week when you're perhaps more busy at work, in your routine, perhaps with the kids? So the next question is, Am I eating to avoid an uncomfortable feeling or thought? 
And what can be really helpful is right when you have a big craving is to actually just take a step back and place your awareness in your body. So the easiest way to do that is just to place your feet firmly into the floor. It can literally take two seconds. And just ask yourself, like, how am I feeling now? Is there an uncomfortable feeling present? Am I feeling a bit stressed? Am I feeling anxious? Am I feeling overwhelmed? And even you can rate this on a scale of one to 10, just so you can start to see what's driving you to the food. Uh, and then you also might ask, am I eating to change how I'm feeling? Because I'm trying to feel better. So are you trying to seek a positive feeling? Because we know reward eating is, is quite a big area of feeling like you deserve a treat or wanting to feel loved or appreciated. And then finally, what am I truly craving? Again, is it that freedom? Am I craving just feeling relaxed and at peace? Is it around feeling happy? And this is going to really help you to dig a bit deeper and identify why you're eating. Fantastic. They're great questions because you can't change things that you aren't or you can't work on things that you're not aware of. And I think that also just to add, Jane, often we can see our eating as just being a little bit uh, robotic on automatic pilot. And this is what happens when we are caught in this habitual way of eating. And we don't often appreciate there's deeper reasons, deeper emotions going on. So that's why um, having these questions can actually unpack that because day to day, we're not as in tune to say, oh my gosh, I'm, I need to relax and I'm now going for the chocolate. It just all of a sudden, you're just grabbing the chocolate and you're eating it. <laughs> yep. So I just wanted to just let people know as well that um, we don't often have these insights in the moment about these deeper reasons. It's only when we reflect and unpack. Great. It's something I work with my clients on. It's kind of stepping to the side, so to speak, having a quiet moment, sitting down and really thinking about where they are in their journey, what's working well, where do they see opportunities to improve. And reflection is probably not a default thing that often we do, especially if we're uncomfortable and we don't like where we are at or what we're doing human nature is to launch into solution, solve, feel better. But there's so much value in reflecting and deciding or getting greater insight and then deciding what you do next. Fantastic. And then the third area is around our feelings leading us to the food. So I want you to consider how do you want to feel? And we're going to take this one step further because what I found is that we're very good at focusing on what we don't want. So we have that negative narrative, I uh, feel consumed by food, I feel like a failure, this isn't working. And it's actually quite difficult to articulate what we do want. It's harder than what you think. Our brain is really more wired towards the negative and we are problem-solving machines for survival reasons, but we need to be really a version 2.0 self behind the wheel of our car, so to speak. So we, a version 2.0 self, needs to take control of the steering wheel 
and the direction and our eating habits. Otherwise, our past will dictate our choices today. So a few questions here to consider is how do you feel now about your relationship with food? Maybe you feel consumed by food. Maybe you might feel confused about what to eat. Maybe you might be feeling disappointed or ashamed around the weight regain. Or maybe you feel scared about weight regain in the future. So that's what I call our version 1.0 self. This is often the pre-surgery self, the pre-surgery thoughts and feelings. And after surgery, it's important that we start to upgrade our mind to match our body and our energy and the health benefits after surgery, which is what I've mentioned calling our version 2.0 selves, our thriving self. So I want you to grab out the, the journal as you probably have been doing and really write down, how do you wanna feel now? Do you wanna feel calm? Do you wanna feel connected? Do you wanna feel more present? Maybe it's feeling safe or motivated or feeling strong or feeling whole. And really unpacking that and getting clear on what is it that you want? Where do you want to move towards? What does that look like for you? Because so many of us are really too focused on what we don't want. And taking that one step further, what's one thing that you can do each day that really steps you into this feeling, this version 2.0 feeling? So if you want to feel calm, because maybe you might be a stress eater, what can you do each day, and especially at that key time that you experience those cravings, where you can feel more calm? Because our feelings determine our behaviour. So if you feel stressed and you have a pattern of stress eating, you're just going to keep going straight to the fridge on that automatic pilot, as we've talked about. But what is it that you can do to feel calm? One thing, I'm all about doing one thing, small thing, and doing it consistently for you to feel calm because when you feel calm, you're not looking in the fridge. You're not looking to shovel down that food in a way that you might have if you felt stressed. It's a very different way of eating when we feel calm. So what might that look like for you? Is it about going for a walk around the block? Is it about just going outside, out in nature? Maybe it's a, a quick meditation or some deep breathing, getting out of your head, getting into your body, putting some music on. Come up with a couple of really quick strategies, maybe even a minute. You could even have one that's a minute long with some music, have a bit of a dance around to your favourite song, maybe some longer strategies and play around with it and try it out and just notice how you can change how you feel. Yeah, I love that. And I was reflecting when you were talking about the fear and our default to going to negative and I really love how you're talking about moving from, I suppose, a feeling of feeling a little bit powerless into stepping into that you actually do have, I don't really like to use the word control, but you can do things to alter your journey. So when people are scared about rate regain and scared of fears about surgery not working, it's feeling powerless. And I do want my clients to know that there are so many different areas of support, education are available to help them feel powerful 
and feel that they are in charge of their own journey, not just whatever happens to them. Does that make sense? 100%. And if we stay in that powerless place, it just becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy, you know, our fears. And also when we feel powerless, we make decisions in alignment with feeling powerless. So we're more likely to go back to the fridge, (laughs) weigh ourselves if we know we've gained weight. That's another form of um, self-sabotage. And then we eat after that and beat ourselves up. Whereas when we feel more powerful or empowered, we're not eating in that same way. We're we're actually taking care of ourselves in a different way. It becomes more of a self-care, self-compassionate strategy. Love it. When you're in a self-care, self-compassionate state, it's a lot easier to make better decisions and to care for yourself as opposed to not feeling good about yourself. That's that whole challenge of loving yourself and and advocating for yourself and not giving up. And it's such a big area that people can struggle with. It is a big area and that's where there are professionals out to, to definitely help. But just even starting small with that, what is one thing I can yep. do today that would be self-compassionate, under that umbrella of self-care, just one thing. And already you're starting to turn, I always say, turn the ship around. (laughs) (laughs) So we start to turn that ship around. Just one thing, doing that consistently can also really help because that can shift our state. And then it becomes contagious. So when we feel better, we want to keep keep this feeling going as well. Mm. So it it will really help just that one thing consistently every day is a great place to start. Fantastic. That's wonderful. Before we wrap up today, have you got anything further that you'd like to share? Yes, it is possible to change. So regardless of what surgery you've had, where you are on the journey, the amount of weight regain as a psychologist who has a core focus in this area, you can change. And the fact that you are here listening to this podcast, that is the part of you that is your version 2.0 self. So as I mentioned, just start small, chip away, seek professional help if you want to dig deeper, but just know that you're not alone and you haven't failed and there is so much support and help available to you. Keep going. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Georgie, for your time. For anybody that's listening that would like to make contact, check you out, how can they find you? Sure. So Instagram is Georgie Beams Psychologist. And my website is also a great resource, which is georgiebeams.com. And that's B-E-A-M for Mary, E-S for Sam georgiebeams.com. Fantastic. Thanks so much, Georgie. Thanks, Jane. Thanks for having me. Thanks, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you are enjoying my podcast, if you are finding some value from the topics that I'm discussing, I would love you to rate my podcast and spare a couple of minutes and give me a review. It really helps people decide if my podcast is worth listening to. So I'd really appreciate that. And I wish you all the best and look forward to being back in your ears next week. 